Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Co-hosts Dr. Reed Hayes of the Loss Prevention Research Council and Tom Meehan of Control Tech discuss a wide range of topics with industry experts, thought leaders, solution providers, and many more. In this episode, we'll talk with Lisa Labruno of Rila, of the Retail Industry Leaders Association. We'll discuss her role as Rila's Executive Vice President of Retail Operations and Innovation, Rila's history, their efforts in key retail disciplines, evolving retail challenges, and much more. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Use Bosch Camera's onboard intelligent video analytics to quickly locate important recorded incidents or events. Bosch's forensic search saves you time and money by searching through hours or days of video within minutes to find and collect video evidence. Learn more about intelligent video analytics from Bosch in Zones 1-4 through four of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. Um, today we're joined by, uh, as always, my esteemed colleague, uh, Tom Meehan, um, strategy leader at Control Tech and longtime LPAP practitioner, uh, and also uh, Lisa Labruno, Esquire of uh, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, or RELA. And uh, Lisa has uh, an ever-growing portfolio of uh, responsibility at RELA for obvious reasons uh, and a pretty neat background uh, as an attorney, um, both in the public and private sectors. So um, I wanted to welcome today, Lisa, to Crime Science, and we really appreciate you taking the time to get on here because I know you're right in the middle of a busy planning session for multiple conferences uh, and so on. Um, but what right now are you mostly working on, Lisa? What's the most important thing that uh, Rila's doing right now? Oh, hey, Reed. Thanks for that generous introduction. Uh, really happy to participate. Um, well, I, I think I have to first take a step back because uh, to your point about my expanding portfolio, asset protection is not the only thing on my plate. Um, although I can certainly focus the discussion on AP, I also oversee supply chain, uh, e-com, and our innovation activities at RILA, but from an AP perspective, uh, we will be kicking off conference planning uh, in a couple of weeks for the annual AP conference, uh, so focusing a lot uh, on the plans for that meeting. Uh, we've also got our AP Leaders Council meeting uh, coming up next month in Hilton Head uh, in conjunction with the annual meetings of the LP Magazine and LP Foundation. So working to develop uh, a compelling agenda uh, that will attract uh, the pyramid heads to attend. Uh, other than the meetings from a topical perspective, uh, I'm sure it's no surprise to hear uh, that we're, we're focusing a lot lately on active shooter training, uh, open carry of firearms in stores. You know, what's interesting about AP and about this role at RILA is uh, as much as I, I'd love to have the, you know, short, mid, long-term initiatives, uh, which, you know, I can drive at a manageable pace, uh, the AP industry uh, can tend to be ad hoc at times, uh, depending on the pressing issues of the day. Uh, so two weeks ago, I, I would not have guessed that open carry uh, would be a significant topic of discussion. 
uh, this week, but as a result of events that we're all aware of, um, it's become sort of the topic of the day. Uh, so I would say, you know, sort of those uh, short-term initiative, it's a lot about active shooter training, uh, but from a more mid-term, long-term initiatives, I'm hyper-focused on uh, self-checkout. Uh, we recently hosted a workshop at Target in Minneapolis uh, where we had over 70 attendees uh, representing uh, across functional groups. So first time for me that I actually hosted a meeting, an AP meeting, uh, that included folks from front end, uh, ops, customer service, uh, innovation, uh, all of whom were keenly interested in having discussions around self-checkout. An outcome from that uh, is a research project uh, that we'll be doing with Professor Beck at a University of Leicester. Uh, so getting ready to launch that. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we will be uh, sharing with the public the second iteration of our total retail loss uh, research, total retail loss 2.0, which we also did uh, in partnership with Professor Beck. Uh, organized retail crime is a very substantial uh, topic and initiative that we've been working on, specifically working directly with the online marketplaces uh, to garner their support uh, in doing more to stem the tide of organized retail crime, uh, particularly the sale of stolen products online. Uh, I, you know, where do, where do I end, Reed? It, it's, it's sort of the, the topics run the gamut, um, lots of pressing issues, some more near-term, uh, others more mid to long-term, but it's a, it's a busy community for sure. No, I mean, I think that was actually the perfect answer because you started out talking about, yes, your portfolio has grown, but I think you and all of us would agree that's a really good thing because asset protection LP is not an island unto itself where that this community exists completely and totally support the total enterprise. And there's no way you're doing that unless you do integrate. And when you talked about the SCO, the self-checkout, uh, the same thing. It was this holistic, multidisciplinary um, event as the research that you're going to be doing and so on. So I think it, it just makes total sense. But also, like you said, we're, we're very topical. And so we see the spikes in, in these active assailant, active killer shooter. Uh, and so that should be top of mind right then. But then we maintain that flow. ORC <clears throat> doesn't seem to be going away. It's a great way to make a living to some people for whatever reason, but you certainly can go into air conditioned climate controlled environments and steal and return and do other things that uh, and avoid some of the risk of street crime. So it remains attractive. So now that was a great, a great answer and I appreciate all that and how busy you are and everything that you and Real are doing. And, and, and by the way, to the listeners, I wanted to, to bring up how much we appreciate the partnership, the, the, here at the University of Florida, and then my other role, the Loss Prevention Research Council, we exist to support everybody that needs support through in-depth research and, and um, bringing that science to practice. Uh, and so Rila, Lisa, you and your team have been great partners, uh, allowing us to come and participate in your 
<clears throat> excellent conference and interact and to do projects with you guys over the years. So all of this is very much appreciated. Let me let me go to Tom. Tom, what are your what is your opening uh, positive salvo to uh, Ms. LaBruno? So, uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us. And I think your, your first answer was really uh, perfect and timely of, of just how the evolution and all the things are going on. My question is really a, just if you give the listeners a little bit of history about your past. I often get the joke about when people say, how do I know you? I can say, well, you were my attorney 20 years ago. But can you give everybody kind of a background and what you did and, and uh, where you came from? Yeah, sure. So, Tom, just uh... – just to protect your, your wonderful reputation, I was your attorney in a corporate sense uh, at the Home Depot and certainly not, certainly not in, a, in a personal sense. But uh, yeah, when I, when I graduated law school, um, I, I went immediately to private practice. So uh, worked in a really large firm, uh, you know, it's sort of the, the what we call here in New Jersey a, a law firm sweatshop where the young lawyers were working seven days a week, uh, you know, 12, 14-hour days, uh, learning a lot, uh, but really eager to get into the courtroom and just had a, a real passion for criminal law. As a young lawyer in the firm, one of my first criminal cases was uh, representing uh, a defendant on death row. Uh, now, when I say representing, I was a first-year associate, so I was, you know, the researcher for the managing partner who was handling the case, and um, I had a passion for criminal law before that, uh, but that case really solidified it for me, uh, and I left the firm to go to the prosecutor's office uh, and stayed there for several years, was uh, an assistant prosecutor uh, in Hudson County, New Jersey, which is uh, just across uh, the river from Manhattan. Uh, so a very urban area, lots of crime, wonderful place for a prosecutor, uh, a young prosecutor uh, to learn all about trial work, uh, but quickly realized that uh, my passion for criminal law uh, was outweighed by my need to make a living, uh, which I could not do in the prosecutor's office, at least not the way I wanted to. And so I left there, uh, became in-house counsel uh, at the Archdiocese of Newark, which is the largest Catholic uh, organization in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and soon after I arrived uh, was when the um, priest sex scandal uh, really broke uh, and uh, very quickly realized that that was not the kind of work that I wanted to be involved in uh, but still had that passion for crim law, uh, and the job at Home Depot came up, and they were looking for a formal uh, former prosecutor uh, to uh, support the asset protection group and corporate security group enterprise-wide. Uh, and um, my interview, you know, it's a it's a timely conversation, guys. Uh, today is September 11th, uh, and. Uh, my interview was September 12th of 2001, uh, so the day after 9-11. Uh, and the interview was canceled, obviously, because the airports were closed. Uh, and um, it was rescheduled, and I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to go. Um, 
But ultimately, I went and it ended up being really one of the best decisions I've made from a professional perspective. Uh, after 9-11, I was anxious to get out of the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area uh, and uh, moved to Atlanta and worked at the Home Depot Store Support Center. Uh, and I stayed at Home Depot for 10 years. It was the most amazing job. Uh, I loved every aspect of it. Uh, loved working with the AP group. Uh, loved Home Depot as a company. Uh, and really loved the work, uh, the ability to train folks uh, and just to be vested in one company. Uh, and all of their employees. Uh, so it, for me, it struck a wonderful balance of being able to uh, pursue my love of criminal law, uh, but also make a decent living and have a really good work-life balance, which has always been critically important to me. Uh, and so that really sort of set the stage for me um, in terms of working in the retail industry. Uh, and so when I left Home Depot, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity at RELA to work in the AP space, not just for one retailer, but across the industry. So again, you know, I've been really fortunate um, to have uh, a unique career path. 30 years ago when I graduated law school, I would have never um, charted out this path. I didn't even know that these positions existed uh, back then. And so I'm, I'm, I'm real fortunate that I've had the opportunity to pursue this path. Uh, and I think that the greatest thing to come out of it is all of the, the wonderful people that I've met uh, in the prosecutor's office, at Home Depot, and now at RELA across the industry. It's just an awesome group. Um, I love the AP industry. Uh, and in fact, I, I love retail. So it, it's been good to me. Excellent. I wonder um, if you maybe could talk about the, um, the you know, the RELA AP support story, Lisa. Um, you know, how, how, you know, you inherited uh, some sort of LPAP uh, infrastructure where, you know, uh, the, in, the association wanted to support their members and the industry at large. Um, in lobbying, in education, and in all kind of problem solving, um, and then what's what's gone on since you got there? I mean, how have things changed, and and why? Maybe just a little bit around that would be great. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Reed, it's it's to your early comments just how AP has evolved uh, over the last several years. You know, I'm at Rila now. Uh, almost 10 years, and the evolution has just been extraordinary. Uh, when I started, there was just a lot of focus on, uh, you know, the criminal part of the job, which continues to, to be important um, and a key, um, a key offering and a key focus. Um, I think the greatest evolution has really occurred on the, the non-AP side, so more the operational focus, uh, engaging really smart academics uh, like you and others, um, recognizing the contribution that academia plays um, in all of this work. Um, I just, you know, it, it's changed from the perspective of the cross-functionality 
um, that asset protection has become. I mean, 10 years ago, I don't think we ever would have contemplated uh, a research agenda uh, or meetings that engaged the, the enterprise uh, and, and that went beyond just the AP silo. I mean, even with our, with our research projects, um, you know, we're sharing those findings with finance, with the finance groups within our member organizations, uh, the merchandising groups, the ops groups. Um, and so I, I think really the evolution is more about uh, the integration of asset protection um, across the enterprise and real as work reflects that thinking. Um, I also think that one significant, um, uh, I wouldn't say change, it wasn't a change, sort of a, a development was really the Asset Protection Leaders Council. When I came, uh, that group didn't exist. And to the extent, you know, there was some uh, presence of senior leaders, it wasn't really an organized, coordinated group. And the APLC really drives all of the work that we do. Um, and so, you know, we tap into what I deem to be the thought leaders in the industry, and that is the AP pyramid heads who comprise Realist membership, um, and tapping into that resource to identify what the key focus areas need to be, uh, what initiatives we should be driving, and who should be involved. Um, and, you know, I really rely on them to help set the agenda. Excellent. I appreciate that, Lisa. That's that's amazing. The differences, how how the industry, the the ecosystem, the community has evolved, um, and then how you all have not only tried to evolve with, but actually stay ahead of that. But tapping into your members, tapping into what do they need, what do they in in that way with that with that council uh, to drive what you guys knew need to do to support them. Tom, let me go over to you. Sure. What advice? Lisa, do you have for newer LP practitioners? If you could, I know that's a loaded question, but if there's some quick tips or advice that you could give, I, I know that our listeners would appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, if I were counseling a new AP practitioner, I, I would say, um, you know, think broadly, integrate yourself across your company. Don't say stay siloed uh, in asset protection. Uh, try, try not to try, try to go beyond the, the historical focus of AP uh, on crime. Again, a key area is always going to be a key area, um, but we've got to continue to broaden the, the relevancy and the reach of asset protection. Um, so purely from a substantive perspective, Tom, I, my, my key advice would be, Think broadly when it when it as it relates to AP, but then also really more from a professional perspective. You know, I would say network, benchmark with your peers. You know, all of the answers do not reside within you individually, within your team, or frankly within your organization. And we get better by collaborating uh, across the industry. And the only way new practitioners can collaborate is to get out, uh, to attend events, um, to network, um, share 
your own experiences, successes, and, and frankly, failures as well, um, and, and sort of be part of a collaborative industry. I would also say for new folks, uh, LPQ uh, is, is a must, right? So, so that is one way um, that they can immediately uh, immerse themselves in the broader uh, sort of AP conversation. So Lisa, good, good stuff. Um, and I think that's always such sound advice. Uh, you know, think about uh, all of us, get outside of our own head, get outside of our own organization, um, talk, but most importantly, listen um, to any and everybody you can that makes sense um, to in, within your organization and, with, and outside of your organization. Um, but we're all here for the same thing, and that's to, in this case, enable the enterprise. And all the fancy plans that our, that our C-suite team have in mind, how do we help that happen uh, given all the quicksand and the strange actors that are running around out there. Let, let me ask you something if I could. Um, and one, oh, one thing I would just say to listeners uh, today is that uh, Tom Meehan called in from China, and so that's where he's been connecting from, but he does have to run right now to a meeting, so we we're, we're appreciate him being on. So, uh, Lisa, you're stuck with just Reed Hayes. But um, I want to go back. You mentioned SCO and uh, we in, in sort of total loss and so forth, but uh, you're there. You're, no, you're between New Jersey and D.C. and then all over the place, but you're plugged in with so many leaders and so many disciplines within retail and outside. Um, what are you hearing? What are you keying in on as far as the light speed evolution of retail? But what are the, some of the challenges that are the most important? You've mentioned SCO and the organized retail crime uh, problem that we've got, and of course, active assailants. Uh, what else? What are some evolving challenges, Lisa? Uh, well, look, I, I think just um, keeping pace, Reed, uh, in this in this dynamic environment. I think I think ecom uh, is you know continues to be a pressing uh, issue for our AP community and just understanding uh, all of the lo losses that can occur uh, from the ecom model and how AP can help mitigate those losses. Uh, so I do think that that e-com is another um, key focus area. I think that uh, innovative technology is another key focus area. Uh, not only challenging our legacy solution provider partners uh, who have been wonderful for so many years, but challenging them uh, to continue to be innovative uh, in the solutions um, that they're developing. You know, you, you made an earlier reference to RELA, you know, always trying to be ahead of the curve. Um, I think solution providers need to continue to think in that same way. Um, you know, they, they're, they're closely connected uh, to the retailers and they should know uh, what the issues are that are on the horizon. Um, and. Uh, developing cutting-edge technology designed to address those issues that are right around the corner. I think retailers are are very keen um, to have their their partners uh, really focused on that. But also in the innovation space, 
Um, I, think, I think retailers are growing increasingly more interested uh, in connecting to startups, so uh, new companies that they've not otherwise had exposure to, um, hearing about their solutions, experiencing uh, new technology from, from new companies who might have different perspectives. And that's even startups who are not uh, currently working or attached to the retail industry. Um, so I, I do think that uh, innovation is a key focus uh, for the AP folks as well. One more point on self-checkout, uh, you know, I, I think what retailers are focused on now uh, and what this second, what this uh, research will aim to examine is the interventions that retailers are deploying to help mitigate losses, uh, what is the effectiveness of those various interventions? Um, you know, so we all, we all sort of acknowledge that um, self-checkout uh, exposes retailers to certain losses, right? I mean, the, the research is clear on that. The experience is, you know, makes, makes that very clear. So um, from that premise, then sort of the, the, the next part of the conversation is, okay, what interventions that retailers um, have rolled out what's been the success of those interventions. Um, so that's another top focus um, of some of the conversations that we're having. Okay. No, that's a good adder. And, um, and like you say, you know, it's, we, you know, we say in criminology, it's, it's not what you do, but how you do it. It's dosing, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? How often, you know, and so forth. And so yeah. I, I agree the, it's okay if this if I put this intervention in. First of all, what's the logic model? What? Why am I doing this? How do I expect it to do to affect the situation? And then, all right, what are my options in doing this? Uh, and then, what else could I do with that? And and so on. And so I think that's huge. And then finally, what you're saying it sounds like is okay. Great. Did that get us anything? I mean, it was it did it do anything? Right. And if it did, was it cost effective and so forth? So no, that's good. Good stuff. Yeah, just another another me, example, Reed, of why collaboration is important and how we can all learn from each other, right? So, you know, the, this research hopefully will be valuable to all retailers, regardless of where they are in their self-checkout journey. Um, but for the folks who are the retailers who are sort of just dipping their toe into the self-checkout environment, you know, this, this research will help them um, assess the effectiveness of uh, various interventions so that they don't have to recreate the wheel. I mean, if this research re um, reveals, for example, that a particular intervention has been ineffective um, across retailers who are heavy users of self-checkout, well, maybe that will set that will save, you know, this retailer who's who's new to the environment um, some time, money, and resource, right? So, just one small example of how industry collaboration can can be so valuable. No, good stuff. Yeah, why learn the hard way? <laughs> um, 
whether you're already in or you're thinking about getting into the pool there. Um, excellent. Tell us about uh, the upcoming, re, re, you know, your next Rita AP conference. Um, when is it? Where is it? What are some of the highlights? Um, and, you know, what, what our listeners need to know about uh, Rita's next AP conference? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm actually having to uh, go up on the Rila website just to confirm what the dates are uh, because we've got so many meetings and conferences coming up that I want to make sure that I get the right dates. One thing I do know is that the conference is in Dallas. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's May 3rd through the 6th. Uh, in Dallas, but I'll, I'll confirm that before uh, we hang up. Um, yeah, actually it's May, yeah, it's May 3rd through the 6th in Dallas. Uh, in terms of what we're going to focus on, well, I, specifically that remains to be seen because we bring the steering committee in uh, in two weeks into Washington, D.C. So the steering committee is comprised of senior level retail executives and our solution provider sponsors. Uh, and uh, the um, uh, important academ academics like you uh, who participate on the steering committee. Uh, and we'll sit around the table and we'll have a brainstorming exercise that spans a few hours and you know all too well, Reed, how this works. Um, and from that brainstorming exercise, we will identify the key topics that are essential to the conference program. Um, so I can't speak to specifics. I mean, I have ideas of what will be on the program um, just based on the conversations uh, that we've been having recently with the AP community. But like we talked about earlier, this is a, this is a really dynamic industry. Uh, and what's important and pressing today uh, might be on the back burner come May. So the challenge is always to have timely and relevant contact, uh, content, which in such a dynamic environment, such as retail AP, can be a challenge at times. Uh, you know, I would say generally, uh, it's going to be a compelling educational program like it is year after year uh, and I've said this to the committee every year at the planning meeting, Reed, which you've heard me say, we have built a reputation uh, based on the educational uh, content uh, at the conference. It is what we are most proud of. Uh, what we strive to do year after year uh, is to deliver uh, the best educational content that the industry has to offer. Um, and I think we accomplish that year after year. So. Uh, the, the only assurance I can give um, today, many months out of the conference, is we will deliver on that, again, through breakout sessions, general sessions, committee meetings, uh, not to mention the, the expo experience uh, and all of the cool activities that we have scheduled um, in there, as well as the many networking opportunities. Excellent. And it really, you know, Lisa, I think one thing, uh, haven't been involved with that committee for so many years. It feels like a family. I think from you all's standpoint, it probably feels like not even a, a herd of cats, but just a, a group of cats and uh, that you're trying to bring together and squeeze out 
that content. But I will tell you also, by the way, my team, uh, even this morning, they are drafting uh, some proposed sessions based on new exciting research you, that would be unique uh, to see if uh, the committee ends up thinking that something there is useful. So, um, well, so I have one last thing as we run on and let you get back to the really important part of, of helping uh, drive RELA in the industry and how do you pronounce it? Um, I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing it because as you and I know, um, we hear the acronym for Retail Industry Leaders Association pronounced different ways. What's the preferred <laughs> way in the halls of your headquarters? A, a compelling question, Reed, um, to end the, the conversation. So it's RELA, uh, and for anybody who's heard Brand Elverston say RILA for 30 years, that is a mispronunciation. It's RELA. Well, you know, Brand has contributed so much over the years to our industry, but probably <laughs> proper pronunciation of all words, and I'm guilty too, is maybe not the strongest. So with uh, so on that note, we really appreciate your time today, uh, Lisa, joining us from RELA. Um, and uh, have a good one. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode uh, of Crime Science. And I want to thank Tom, uh, Safe Travels uh, in the Orient and China, is, uh, and then also thank our producer, Kevin Tran, today. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.